Milo Vonnen, and welcome to 10CBF, a podcast for blended families. I'm your host, Joel W. Hallbaker, and I'm thankful that you're here. Each week on the show, I'll be bringing you expert interviews to encourage and inspire your blended family, along with some special episodes thrown in from time to time. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating review on iTunes or whatever platform you use. In the meantime, be ready to listen, laugh, and learn, and maybe even take a few notes. Ready for this week's interview? Then let's jump in. Milo Vaughn and everybody, and welcome back to another episode of 10CBF, a podcast for blended families. And I am so excited to be chatting tonight with the amazing Melissa Brown. Uh, Melissa is, uh, has been kind enough to have me on her show uh, a couple of years ago. Melissa is an entrepreneur who runs several businesses. For over 14 years, she has run a successful cleaning company along with her husband. They also have a business in the finance industry where they train and develop financial advisors, as well as educate people about how money works so that they can achieve true financial freedom. Good heavens above, is that something we ever need today? Additionally, she hosts the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show about the many challenges and struggles today's blended families face. Having a blended family of her own for well over 10 years, she is now using her experiences to help others. She lives with her husband, their four children, her mother-in-law, and two English Bulldogs in the state of Florida. Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the show. I don't know if I'm more excited about chatting with you uh, because of your blended family experience or because I want to hear about your Bulldogs. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having me, Joel. I'm super excited to be here and talk to you. And yeah, the Bulldogs are great. They're a little older now and they are the smelliest dogs you could ever get, but they're wonderful dogs. So <laughs> that's what I'm, I've, I've always loved them. Uh, we have a, a pit bull mix and a bulldog mix and uh, they're just wonderful, wonderful animals. So it's always fun to have more dog lovers on the show. That's good stuff. Yeah. Okay, so we have your introduction, and it briefly touched on uh, the fact you've been part of a blended family for over a decade, but if you would, give us a summary of your blended family experience, both personal and professional. So our listeners kind of ask the question, okay, so who is this lady, and why should I listen to her? Yeah, sure thing. So my blended family started actually um, almost 14 years ago, and my kids at the time were, let's see, three and six, and my husband's kids were eight and four, so they were very close in age, and we've been together ever since. We actually, funny story, met at McDonald's. I've told that story on my podcast before, which is <laughs> a very interesting place to meet, um, and yeah, and we've been through the gamut. We've been through so much together as a family. We finally um, got married after nine years, so we've been married now uh, for four years, and we started the podcast about six years ago as a mm -hmm. way to kind of, you know, at that point we said, okay, we're seven years in, seven's the magic number. We have all this wisdom and experience and, you know, knowledge from dealing with the situations we've dealt with. And we really wanted to give back to other families because at that time there really weren't many resources out there for blended right. families. And so Amen. that's where the blended family podcast came to be. Okay. And I've been doing it ever since. And I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. And listeners, let me just tell you, um, you can pause this now and go listen to a couple episodes of her podcast because it's awesome. I don't, um, I don't, I don't say that lightly. And she's a hundred percent right. A decade ago, even five years ago, if you were to walk into a bookstore and look for blended family resources, people are going to go, uh, I don't think we have those here. Right. And so your, your podcast has been a help to me. It's been a help to my family. Um, you know, I'm grateful to have been on the show, but I'm telling you listeners, if you haven't checked out the blended family podcast with Melissa Brown, you absolutely need to go check that out because it is, um, it's just got some great, great interviews and some great information on there. Um, good. So, um, this is one of my, uh, the questions that I ask that it, it's always hard because people, um, have to deal with 
difficult things, but I, I like to ask it to let our listeners know, listen, you're not alone in the struggles that you're facing. So what is, what's the biggest blended family challenge or challenges that you guys have faced and how did you overcome or address that? Well, it's a great question. And of course I could probably have, you know, 25 answers for this one question. <laughs> right? uh, but See, if I only got to pick one hard thing that happened, man. <laughs> yeah, there are so many things. Uh, but I would say that the most difficult challenge that we had to overcome was really finding the consistency in co-parenting from household to household and even within our own household because you know it's very very hard parenting styles no parents think alike in the first place right and when you're dealing with households that have different rules different discipline different structure different even expectations it's very difficult to create the illusion of equality and i say the illusion because it's never really fully equal among all the kids, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, but you try. Right. And the most important thing is to make sure that at least in your own household, that it's as equal as you possibly can make it. Mm. But it's impossible to do when you're dealing with other homes and who's getting what in those other homes and who's allowed to do what. It's just very, very challenging. And it created a lot of tension and a lot of arguments. And it does that for every blended family. And so the way that we overcame it was, I mean, there's no easy way around this one except through it. And it was just a lot of work and a lot of consistency and a lot of communication, like mm. tons and tons of talking about things. And then also even sitting down with the kids. And when they saw the disparity, if there was, we would have to explain to them why and what goes on in our house and, you know, try to explain to them that we do the best that we can because it's going to be impossible to treat all kids the same because they're all different, right. but they notice it right away when yeah. things don't seem equal. And so I would say that that was probably the biggest challenge. Yeah. I, I think that's a big one. And that's, uh, I, you know, that's one that, like you said, it comes up in all blended families. Consistency is really, really difficult to achieve even in your own home, let alone across multiple homes. Um, but I love that you said one of the ways that you deal with that is simply by going through it. And, and trying to communicate both with the other home and with uh, the children. There's a great quote. I think it was Winston Churchill who said, uh, you know, when you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's all you can do sometimes is just one foot in front of the other. Um, good. Okay. That's excellent. And, and again, listeners, I would encourage you to check out some of her information on the podcast for more details um, about the work that she's done and, and some of the other interviews she's done with other people about that. Are there any specific things uh, or you know, places you would point people if, if they're dealing with difficult co-parenting situations right now, what would you tell some of those listeners? Oh my goodness. I would just say, you know, God gave us two ears and one mouth so we can be good listeners. So I would say, try to listen to one another really and understand where the other person is coming from um, and try to keep an open mind because just because we think our way is the best way, it really isn't always the best way. And it's always good to get that input from other people and to keep that open mind and take suggestions, you know, even if you don't know that you agree, but it's good to try different things. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. And I'm, uh, in case you're wondering what I'm doing, you hear the scribbling noise in the background. I'm taking notes because I'm a compulsive note taker. It's the, you can take the history teacher out of the classroom, but you can't take the classroom out of the history teacher. Um, no, I think that's wonderful, wonderful advice. And that's one that um, every blended family needs to remember just because you think your way is the best way. It may not actually be. And if we want other people to listen to us when we have something to say, we need to, we need to definitely that's pay right. them that same courtesy. Yeah, that's wonderful. I think that's something we often forget in, uh, yeah. in 
basically in every kind of discourse, but especially when emotions are heated and when um, it's very easy to bring up hurts from the past and use those as weapons. And, and when that happens, you're not communicating anymore. Now you're just fighting. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, good. I, th I think that's wonderful. Uh, and I like this question. Actually, it's, it's a lot more fun for me. But the next question is this, what is the best blended family experience or memory that you guys have? I would have to say that that was our wedding because we waited so long to get married because, mm -hmm. you know, we were so busy raising the kids and it was so chaotic when they were young and we had both come from a divorce. So we were terrified to step into that again. Right. And so we just kind of put our own stuff on the back burner and we raised the kids and, you know, it got to the point, you know, after nine years that we were ready and the kids were ready. And that was mm -hmm. kind of really cool because they were at an age where they could really appreciate things and be involved in the wedding. And so I will just never forget, you know, our wedding was on the beach, you know, it was smaller, it was intimate. And I, I walked down, you know, the stairs onto the beach. It was supposed to rain that day, but it didn't, oh, uh, the, the you know, the, the, yeah, the clouds parted, the sun came out and I looked down and I saw my kids standing there next to my husband and it was just beautiful. Mm. Um, and it was beautiful because they were all included and, you know, even, even my husband's ex-wife was there with wow. her daughter from mm -hmm. her second marriage. So yeah, I think that that's very important. And that was probably the most beautiful family memory that I have. Yeah. Wow. Do you guys have like a big group picture of that? Um, we, you know, we don't have as many pictures as I really wanted to, mm -hmm. but we do have one that was on the beach where we did a candle um, ceremony with sand nice, and everything. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have, we definitely have some of those. Yeah. That's wonderful. I think that's, I think that's excellent. And uh, listeners, I would encourage you. One of the things she has alluded to, but not said directly is something that I encourage everybody to pay attention to. And that is this idea of taking it slowly. Uh, would you like to speak to that? You mentioned you guys have been together a while and, and uh, you know, before you decide to get married. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, and, and my way is not necessarily what's right for everybody, but I think that a lot of people uh, do move rather quickly in a second marriage, and sometimes we feel like we're in a rush, and it's so exciting, um, but for us, you know, and we did, we did move in rather quickly, but we waited to get married just because we had been through some painful situations. And so when you do that, sometimes you just want to be a little bit more cautious. And I was really cautious in the beginning. In fact, we joke about it all the time because when I met my husband, I was like, you know, if you want to see other people, you can, because I was, I was like not wanting to be serious. And he was like, what, like, what kind of girl are you to say that? But I was so scared to just get into any, like I was done. Yeah. And I didn't even yeah. know that. I, I mean, we met at McDonald's. So that should tell you, I wasn't looking. Just these <laughs> things happen, right? Wait a, minute, wait a minute. Are you saying that you don't go looking for a potential partner no. at McDonald's? Is there something it's, it's wrong with you? It's not my place of that? choice. <laughs> I don't understand. I feel like McDonald's would be a great place to look for people. That's you know, weird. well, apparently it is. Apparently it's a good That's family place. About. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> We don't oh, even go there anymore. It's so funny. But, um, but yeah, I, I definitely think, um, and taking it slow as far as with the kids, I think is super important because mm -hmm. when you're working on a second marriage or a third or whatever number you're at, um, you don't, you know, you've got to take it slow for the kids. Even if you want to move quickly, um, I would take it easy with the kids because they develop feelings rather quickly. Right. And if it doesn't work out, then their feelings get hurt. And I think it's super important to acknowledge that, you know, it's not 
just your life that's changing. It's their lives and they have no control over it. You have all the control over what happens right. to your kids you know, at a certain age. And so I think that it's super important to take it easy. And especially if you just got out of a divorce because you've got to heal. And if right. you jump into another relationship right away, you're bringing your old baggage and your wounds that you haven't healed yet into your new relationship. And that's not going to work. Yeah. Amen. So, so many powerful things in there. Um, I love that you talk about taking it easy because of the kids. And like you said, the kids can't control any of that. We we're you know, the adults are the ones making the decisions. The kids just have to go along with it, but they are absolutely affected by it. And so how we make those decisions and when and how quickly those things can have a long-term impact on them. So I, I love that you mentioned that. Um, and then again, the, the idea there, um, that you, uh, that you talked about at the end as well. Just, we've got to, um, we've got to pay attention to what our kids are feeling and we've got to pay attention to what effect those decisions are going to have on them, not just now, but, uh, but in the future, because we bring our own, like you said, our own hurts and our own baggage. And if we haven't dealt with that, we're just adding that to whatever baggage the other person is also bringing to this second marriage. And that's not normally a good formula. Um, exactly. You yeah. Know, what again, is that, is that one that you can speak to maybe from some of your professional experience working with blended families in terms of just people jumping in maybe a little quicker than would have you know, been advisable or something like that? Well, I just see kind of what I had just kind of said is that they're, they bring that old stuff with them, you know, all mm. the problems that they had in their last marriage and they project it onto their new partner mm. and the new, like for instance, um, well, I don't want to go too deep about my ex because he's not here and he can't defend himself. But I will say that there were things that he did mm -hmm. that I was very concerned going into my new relationship that, you know, I didn't want that to happen to me mm -hmm. again. Right. And so I almost did that to my new husband. You know, I, I mm -hmm. was mistrusting with a couple of things because I was very, very fearful mm -hmm. because I didn't have the full time that I needed to heal out of my first marriage because I wasn't looking for somebody. And so... Um, <laughs> These are things that, you know, and that's okay. I, I still, I was able to work through it after the fact, but it's very important that we work on our own stuff because if we don't mm -hmm. work on our stuff, we just take it to that person. And now, like you said, you're just bringing, you're starting a relationship with all of this extra stuff on top of trying to learn who the person is and right. who the kids are and everything else. You're just making it worse for yourself. So healing is important, but I wouldn't say that you have to, we're never fully healed. We're always right. working on ourselves. So I wouldn't say just wait forever before you, you know, if you meet somebody and something feels right, use your intuition and go forward with it. But I always say be cautious, especially when there are kids involved, just because they're going to be going through everything too. And when you're unhappy as a parent, they're unhappy when they see us unhappy. And so it's super important to guard ourselves and take care of ourselves because we are setting an example for them. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I just want to commend you and, and say thank you for the attitude of I don't want to go too deeply into things with my ex because he he's not here and can't defend himself. I think that alone is an attitude that if we could cultivate more of in our blended families, we'd be a lot better off. Uh, I had a discussion with my seventh grade students today, uh, no, eighth grade students in Bible class, and I asked them, I said, just for one day, carry around a post-it note in your pocket and keep track of the conversations that you have and listen to during the day. Keep track of how many of them are bad-mouthing other people, whether it's other classmates, teachers, parents, coaches, referees, whatever. Just keep track of how many conversations you hear every day where, you're, where people are bad-mouthing other people. That, that's the vast majority of middle school conversations. I said, I want to challenge you guys to 
to do better than that. And the problem is we as adults have taught them that, or at least allowed them to do that and taught them that that's okay. And um, so I appreciate that. I appreciate you not wanting to say anything negative about someone who can't defend themselves. And also there's not any point to, you can, you can do what you just did, which is I can give an explanation without having to throw somebody under the bus. That's right. That's and right. that's something that I think it's important for blended families to understand because it's not about trying to win. It's not about trying to make ourselves look good at the expense of someone else. It's, it's simply about trying to do what's best for the kids and it's about trying to do what's best for the family long-term. So I, I love that that's your attitude. I love that you're living that out right now uh, in real time. Thank you for doing that. Um, of course. All right. So let's look at the next question. Uh, you were provided with a copy of the, uh, the 10 CBF ahead of time to look through. Uh, having done that, which of those do you see people struggling with the most and what kind of wisdom would you share with those people? Yeah, I love this question because I love your 10 commandments. And that's why I had you on my show because they're so good and they're so relevant. And it's hard to pick just one because you really got these so accurate, Joel. And I see that everyone in my community struggles with almost all of these at one time or another. <laughs> right, but they all. Yes, but commandment two just really stands out to me. Mm -hmm. Always show respect, even if you're the only one doing it, because when people split up, there are often elements of anger, yeah. bitterness, resentment, jealousy, or any combination of those. And then comes the lack of respect. And once it starts, it kind of snowballs and builds momentum, but you don't get anywhere with people when you don't respect them. And this is one of the easiest ones to fix, I think, because... The one and only thing that we have absolute control over is ourselves mm -hmm. and our actions. And so by us starting out, giving out the respect, even when it's not reciprocated, mm -hmm. can start us on a trend for change. And I think that many folks are going to have a hard time with this because of pride, right? It's yes. like, why should I be pleasant when they're being ugly to me, right. but someone has to be the bigger person and it's hard to continue to be disrespectful when someone's not giving that back. And so, right. um, so, you know, and the kids are watching yeah. and they're learning how to be in life. And so you have to be a good role model. And that's why I think that this is the most important commandment because if you show respect for one another, a lot of the other things will fall into place. I feel. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And I see that as well in a lot of, uh, with a lot of the couples that I work with. I would even argue that if you were to take a poll of people in blended families, one of the biggest complaints that most of the adults have is feeling like the other adults are being disrespectful in whatever communication they may be having. Well, they're just bad mouthing me or they're talking about this or well, that may be so. You know, but, but what do we teach our children? We teach them don't respond the way that other people are treating you. Treat them the way that you'd want to be treated. Right. Two wrongs don't make a right. And so, yeah. I mean, people, I always tell people, somebody is not going to argue with someone who is not arguing back. Right. So it's just important. And right away, you might not see the changes. So you right. might say, well, gosh, I've been, I've been respectful for a week and that person is still being rude. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, these things take time, but you stay on right. task. You stay the course because eventually other people will soften when right. they start to see that you're being respectful, there's no reason for them to be disrespectful back. And so, um, and yeah, the kids, this is the biggest thing. And I don't know why we want kids to act a certain way, but we don't model it. And right. you know, they, they do what we do, not what we say, unfortunately. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did an interview with a guy named Chaz Jackson a while back on his podcast and he told a story about 
um, his daughter, uh, they were eating breakfast one morning and, and he finished his first and he, you know, takes up the bowl and takes a sip of it. And she's not done yet. She looks at him and she picks up her bowl and just dumps it all <laughs> down. Her. And, and he says, that's a great illustration. Kids are watching and they're going to imitate us whether we want them to or not. And they're going to imitate us whether they understand why they're doing it or not. They're, they're going to learn what to do long before they learn why they should or shouldn't do it. And so I love that you, uh, that you talked about that as well. I do. I think you're, I think you're spot on with that. Um, and you're right. If we can consistently show respect, it'll take some time because the other person is trying to deal with their hurts and they're trying to deal with their pain and they're trying to deal with their baggage. Um, but you know, I, I teach at a Christian school and I'm, I'm very outspoken about my faith. And I tell my students all the time, listen, nobody was ever insulted into the kingdom of God. I've never heard a single person in their telling their testimony say, you know, the reason I became a Christian is because I met so many Christians who were condescending and snarky. I saw a <laughs> meme on the internet that was really pointed and that's what converted. Like, no. Well, the same thing's true in blended families. If you want better cooperation long-term, the way to go about it is not by being a jerk to your ex, no matter how they treat you. And, um, you know, listeners, I want to encourage you. That I'm not saying that it's okay for them to treat you poorly. I'm not saying that, that you should just have to deal with that forever. What I am telling you is just what Melissa said. All you can control is your end of things. And if you're doing it badly, that's not going to help anybody. That's not going to help anybody. So, you know, make a commitment to do that better. Even if like you, like Melissa said, it, somebody's got to be the bigger person. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think that's wonderful. Um, how about this? Here's a good question that I just thought of. What kind of tips would you give someone who is having to deal with that kind of situation in terms of, okay, well, how do I reach out? How do I convince them that I'm actually trying to be different? Let's say there's someone who's been fighting for a while and it's just been rude and harsh and disrespectful back and forth. How would you go about trying to, uh, you know, sort of just, bury that hatchet? I would say, yeah, I would say baby steps. I would say just be the change that you want to see. So um, start by just speaking more kindly to the person when you need to talk to them. Start by, you know, you could even, if, however your correspondence is, whether you do texting or emails, you can always reach out and say, look, I know things have been pretty rocky for a while, but I kind of want a fresh start. I don't want to do this to one another anymore. You can do what you need to do, but I'm letting you know that I'm going to start to change. I'm going to start to be more respectful. I'm going to start a new trend here. And I hope mm. that you would like to do that as well. Um, and, but you know, if things are really, really bad and you can't do that, just start making your own changes. Mm. Even, and again, even if that other person continues to disrespect you, you still can sleep at night. You still can hold your head up high knowing that no matter what, you're still being the right person. You're still being good. And your children still see that you are being respectful even when their other parent is not and so i think that that's super important as well yeah absolutely and again i love that you talked about both sides of that if the other person is uh, is willing to watch you try to make those changes and go along with it that's wonderful but if not you still need to do the right thing because kids are watching and, and that's an example that they're going to see and uh, and we need to make sure that we're setting a good just, one yeah and it just makes you feel better like mm -hmm. to treat people well just makes us feel better it doesn't i mean i don't know about you but i don't feel good if i'm mean to somebody i just right. want to be kind to people what you know it doesn't matter to me because i want to like who i am you know what i mean like yeah. i i want to feel good about myself and so um yeah so just be the person that you want to be no matter how other people are being you know mm -hmm. feel good about yourself yeah, and I think that's so important to uh, to help blended families remember, and especially again, we want our kids to see a good example. That means we need to be 
that good example. And, and that's challenging. Um, I would argue that, yeah, right. I would argue that's, that's not easy a lot of the time. Let me ask this question. How old are your kids now? So now um, the oldest is 21. That's our mm -hmm. son. And then we have a 19 year old girl and two 17 year old girls. Oh, sweet, fancy Moses. Yeah. I'm telling you, we've been, we're, we're, we're kind of like where we see the finish line sort of, cause we're, you're never really done when right. you have kids, but we're at the point where we're like, okay, like sometimes we look at each other and we're like, we did it. Like we raised, we raised kids. Like we're almost kind of done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it, it really is. Um, we're incredibly proud of that because mm -hmm. we know what it took to get here. Right. And as much as, you know, people listen to me and they think, Oh, Melissa has the answers and she knows that doesn't mean that I just knew, like I had to go through the trenches <laughs> to get the answers. Right. And it definitely was incredibly difficult. So mm -hmm. I understand what people are going through for sure. Absolutely. And you know, that's something I've found to be true of um, just about every guest I've had on the show. Uh, and, and not to not to speak ill of anybody, especially not the ones who weren't from this, but almost every blended family person that I've connected with, the reason they work with blended families is because they're part of one and they've been through some really hard times. And so they want to help other people avoid making those yeah. same mistakes. Yeah, totally. And I just, Very I think important. that's, I think that's a wonderful thing that, uh, that there are people like you and, and, uh, others who are doing that kind of work, because as you said, we may have some of the answers now, but it's because we screwed it up earlier and we learned, oops, <laughs> let's not do that. So yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's really good. Um, so speaking of, uh, some of the things that you've learned, what are some of the best pieces of wisdom advice, uh, some great tips or strategies that you've come across or that you've developed or learned for blended families? What are some of the valuable pieces of information that you would share? If someone's looking to improve things in the next week, month, year in their blended family, what would you tell them? Um, there's something that I really would like to say that I think is extremely important. And it's something that I do in my line of work with my coaching with blended families is that I would say that you need to become a master at shifting your perspective. Mm. And so what do I mean by that? I mean that you need to get skilled at learning to recognize what other people might feel like in any given situation. And this can save your blended family because when we have the conflict, it's so easy to get angry because we only see our side of things. Like I said earlier, we think that we're right. But when you can shift and like really consider what the other person might be feeling, it's much easier to work through your conflict because then we can soften a little bit and we understand that it's okay to disagree. We just need to like try to understand one another better. And I mean, I have some examples of this. Um, you know, for example, um, maybe you're upset at the way your stepchild is acting out and you think that they have behavioral problems and you're very frustrated with them. But if you stop and think, well, maybe that child is just in fear right now. Maybe the child is fearful that they're going to lose their parents or they're fearful about the divorce or they're fearful about moving or whatever you might be going through at the time. And I think that so many people, you know, forget there's so many dynamics in the blended family and so many personality styles. And we're so caught up in our own emotions and why we're right about something. And we forget to really consider that other people have feelings too. And hurt people hurt people, mm -hmm. right? Amen. And so if, if somebody's going through something it's and, and treating or acting out in a certain way, we need to stop and think like, maybe they're hurt. Maybe they're scared. Maybe there's something going on there that we need to think about and take a moment and get out of our own mind and think about how somebody else feels. And this, you know, it seems like the silliest little thing, 
Um, but it's, it's a very simple thing that we can do that we forget to do mm-hmm. that I don't think everybody really stops for a second and, and does, you know, and I think that it could save a lot of relationships if yeah. we could just understand how other people feel and not just ourselves. Yeah, I think that's extremely important. That's one of the uh, big things that I think uh, you're exactly right about in terms of developing empathy. Yeah. Um, like you said, just trying to understand, okay, what, what is this person thinking? What are they feeling? What are, what are their concerns? What are their fears? What are their worries right now? And how much does that have to do with their choices that they are making? Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's huge. And it's difficult because it takes work and it takes humility because you have to be willing to admit that maybe the explanation I had in my head is not the reality of what they are thinking, feeling, worried about, you know, and that's something I've had to learn as a teacher because there are a lot of times when I assume a student does something for a certain reason and it turns out their reasoning was not anything like what I thought it was. That's exactly what I mean because perception, I mean, we all have our own perception of things and two Mm -hmm. people could live the same exact experience, Mm -hmm. but they see it in a totally different way. So are they both wrong? No, they're both right from their own viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So now we just need to kind of like bridge the gap and bring them together and and figure out how to compromise. So, yeah, absolutely. And and I think you're exactly right too, to bring up that idea of looking at the same thing from different perspectives. When, uh, when my wife and I got married uh, about six and a half uh, years ago, we, uh, we picked out a venue and we went and we got married outside and we went to go look at this venue and there was this really beautiful uh, pavilion and then there was a beautiful kind of uh, wooded area out behind the pavilion with some pine trees and, and that sort of stuff. And it was hysterical because she and her mom walked around and looked at it and they came to completely opposite conclusions, right? My <laughs> wife thought we should have the reception under the pavilion and we should have the wedding out in the wooded area. And her mom thought we should have the reception out in the wooded area under a tent and we should have the wedding over here in this beautiful. And it was because, you know, her and her mom, exact same, they're looking at the exact yeah. same scenery completely opposite conclusions and it's not that one was right and one was wrong they just thought about it differently and just for the record we went with my wife's opinion not her mom's (laughs) of course (laughs) right it seemed like a good idea at the time so we're gonna hope that it was but that's exactly how it happens joel and then you take the same now that was a happy situation Mm -hmm. but you take something like an argument you know or a conflict Mm -hmm. and then you're coming from different places and it's definitely much more difficult to solve that problem. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, if, if we can just stop for a minute and think mm-hmm. why that person's acting like that, it actually can really help. It yeah. really, really can, so. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and it, like I said, it, it takes humility yeah. um, because how often do we assume other people's motives? I know as a historian, Always. as a history teacher, yeah, that's, that's what we do. Why did the so-and-sos do this thing? Well, we assume that we know. And sometimes that assumption ends up being backed up by historical fact. Sometimes it does not. And then we have to go back and revise our theories about what things were going. Well, that happens in our day-to-day lives all the time. I could probably guess why my ex has done certain things. I would probably be wrong with most of those guesses because I'm not her. Right. You know what I mean? And, And she might guess why I've done certain things. She might be right. She might be wrong. Who knows? But I do the same thing with my kids. And more often than not, when I actually ask them why they did certain things, what I thought and what they actually were thinking, not even close. Yeah. Turns out I don't know what's going on in the head of a 13 and 16-year-old girl all the time. 
Uh, you definitely do not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows what's going on in there. That's, I'm not sure that's they do either, let's stuff. be honest. Yeah. Yeah, they don't. Godly, I'm telling you what. Yeah, it's it's an adventure parenting teenagers in a blended family, is it not? Yeah, and teenage girls. Yeah. 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 And I've the spent girls a, lot are... of, a lot of my adult life coaching that age kid too. Coaching's a lot easier than raising. Let me just tell yeah. you how much. Golly. Yeah. I thought I would have an advantage when my own kids got this age because I've coached these age kids for years. I think I may be actually worse at it because I went into it arrogant, thinking that I knew right. what to do. Well, so. also, parents just don't know anything. You well, know, that's true. Oh, only parents, you know, if they're the child's parents. Other right. kids think that we're smart, but our own kids don't think that we're smart. You know? Amen. Can I get an amen from the listeners right now? Because good gracious. <laughs> absolutely true right there my goodness yeah and i hope i've heard uh, is it mark twain who said it was amazing how much my father learned between when i was 16 and when i was 21 oh i had not heard that one. i think it's i think it was mark twain who said something like that basically when i when i became an adult my parents became smart again i'm yeah. really hoping yeah. that that's a thing that happens <laughs> so listeners again if you're dealing with some of those issues with your teenage kids just please know you're not alone. Uh, we'll start a support group. It'll be called dumb parents. And uh, <laughs> we'll just, you know, it's like those, it's like those memes you see on the internet. It's like reason my kids are crying. Have you ever seen those? I, uh, yeah, yeah. Those I are, have. those yeah. are history. I, I think we should have yeah. another reasons. My kids think I'm dumb Yeah, you know, because I make them do their own laundry, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I think that could be it's good. everything. They just, they think we don't, they think we haven't lived a life before, you know? Right. So we, yeah, we all came yeah. out middle-aged and not knowing anything, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, it's great. It's great. It's my favorite thing actually about parenting. Yeah. Um, all right. So <laughs> as we're, as we're wrapping this up, let me ask just a couple more questions. Um, first of all, what is your favorite or most recommended blended family resource book, website, person, coach, podcast? And this is okay if it's a shameless plug for your own, because obviously you wouldn't be doing this if you didn't know what you were talking about. But well, basically thank you, the, but the goal um, of this is to share lots of resources with the listeners. I wish that I had lots of resources, honestly, Joe, like I mentioned, you know, when I started, there really weren't any right. resources. And so I kind of just became my own resource mm -hmm. um, by having experiences. But what I would say, and I do have a Facebook group, but mm -hmm. so do a lot of people. So <laughs> I would recommend the best resource is mm -hmm. actually other people, other blended families that are going through it because, you know, sure, there's nothing wrong with psychologists and doctors and, right. you know, books and, but you really you can't learn things just like you can't learn how to drive a car by reading a book about driving a car. You just have to get behind the wheel and drive. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with the blended family. You just got to get in there and you got to talk to other families. And that's why, you know, I have a Facebook group. The, the thing that I like about my Facebook group for the most part is I try to make sure that it's a very positive space and it is not a shaming space. And mm -hmm. so if you do find a support group or any group, make sure that it's not a finger pointing shaming group because that's not going to help your blended family move forward to talk about he said she said and get angry that is not helpful but if you can find a group where people are sharing tips on how they overcame certain situations then i think that that is the best possible resource that you can find yeah absolutely and and listeners i will absolutely also uh support you in going and checking out her facebook group because i've been a member of it for I don't know, two or three years now. And it's exactly like you described. It is positive. It is uplifting. It is helpful. People ask hard questions, 
but they yeah. ask them in such a way to where they're actually trying to get answers. They're not asking them as a way to badmouth someone. Um, exactly. I don't know. I know. I don't know if you've heard this term. It's called an explain and brag, right? It's where you're. It's where you're kind of explaining, but really you're just using it as an excuse to brag on yourself. I'm yeah. really. Yeah. I do that in my classroom with my middle schoolers all the time, right? <laughs> Whatever the. Exp- I don't know if it's a explain a complain, explain a mm. whine, whatever that. You know, there needs to be a term for that. But I look at a lot of blended family groups because I'm, I'm in, I don't know, 10 or 12 just to see what people are asking and that kind of stuff and, and try to help with questions. But um, in a lot of those groups, the posts simply become an excuse to badmouth somebody. Kind of like in a lot of, um, you know, and I've experienced this too, in some church prayer groups or small groups, lifting up prayer requests becomes an excuse to gossip. Mm. right we're just gonna oh yeah we need to pray for this family because let me just tell you what was going on (laughs) you know what I mean and and your group isn't that way so I really I appreciate that so listeners definitely go check out Melissa Brown's Facebook group Um, check out her podcast at uh, blended family podcast um, as well it's uh, it's it's fantastic Um, so again right before we wrap up here what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you and learn more about you and your family and your work so I would say the easiest thing is just go straight to the website, which is blendedfamilypodcast.com, and you can find all of the links there. Um, okay. I also have a scheduling link there. Um, not only do I do coaching where I work with families, but I also do financial coaching as well. And that is actually free. And so I always like to mention that because blended families often, it's a struggle with finances when you're mixing two households and there's a lot of expenses. And so we kind of help people manage um, all kinds of things financial. We just basically educate people about money and we keep that as a very free service. And so the place to go, just go right to the website. You can get to all of those links there. And I will just mention the group really quick is just blendedfamilypodcast.com slash group. Okay. Uh, yeah, listeners, go check that out. It's awesome. Listen to the podcast episodes. Go back and, and start at the beginning or start in the middle. It doesn't even matter. They're all really, really good. Um, I love that you are doing the um, financial coaching or what do you have this? What do you, how do you phrase that? Um, I just call it a free financial review if you go okay. to book it on the coaching site. But um, we, just, we just do free financial coaching. I, mm. We think it's that important mm. because it's something that's lacked in our world for many years that yeah. you know, we didn't get the education. And because we didn't get it, our kids aren't getting it. And now we have a lot of people walking around the world with no way to retire right. and no way to manage their money. And people are hurting and struggling right now. And especially in this year of 2020, if people had things set in place before that and you lost work during this year, you would have said, well, you know what? I'm okay because I've protected my money and I've, I have things in place, but many of us didn't have things in place because you don't think about the emergencies. You don't. And when you have a blended family and you are taking care of a lot of children, if there is God forbid a death in the family, you know, you need to prepare for those things in advance because there's things that people don't think about when it comes to a will Mm-hmm. And a trust is like, if, you know, let's say for instance, you're a blended family and somebody passes away and that other parent says, well, now the step parent can't see the kids anymore mm-hmm. and you don't have anything in the will for that. So it's just super important. I try to tell families, these are things that you do need to think about before it's too late. Um, setting up even college funds and things like this for kids. We have very easy ways to do it, but most of all, it's not really a sales pitch. Most of all, it's an education thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're more about like just bringing the education to the people, mm-hmm. not so much on any kind of sale portion of that. 
Yeah, I think that's wonderful. Again, uh, listeners, check that out. You can find that information at blendedfamilypodcast.com. You can find out information uh, and a scheduling link about her coaching and about her and her husband doing uh, free blended family financial coaching as well. That's a tremendous, tremendous resource. Um, thank you for doing that. Um, all right, so I like to finish up with my lightning round, and this is a lot of fun because I get to ask silly questions, and uh, and it's just good for some laughs, which are always needed in blended families when things are stressful. Yeah. <laughs> so um, here we go. Number one, uh, if you got to pick one of these three, which one would be your favorite? Lord of the Rings, Narnia, or Harry Potter? Okay, this is embarrassing, but I haven't seen any of those. I have not seen any of those movies, but. I'll say Harry Potter because I went to Universal Studios and I like the Harry Potter ride. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so if you were one of my students, I would say something like, you know, they're books, right? So. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm not a, I, well, I'm just picking my on kids you. have seen the movies. Um, okay. I am a reader, but that's not the That's kind not of your style of book. Yeah, that's no. okay. Yeah, that's all right. All right. Uh, for the record, there's no wrong answer there. My family loves all three of those, so that's good. Uh, number two, hot dogs or hamburgers? Oh, my goodness. You're killing me with these questions. I would say neither because <laughs> I have been a vegetarian for the last eight years, but I did just find out that I need to eat meat. So I started eating meat, but I haven't gone to the hamburgers and hot dogs yet. It's just too wow. soon. All right. Yeah. Uh, you're like the third vegetarian I've had on this show. It's really? Yeah, it's strange. I, I'm more of a carnivore. If I could just eat meat, I'd be fine with that. My wife won't let me. Oh, well. Um, number three, and this may be hard since you don't eat these, but um, boneless <laughs> chicken wings. Are they a real thing or are they just pretentious nuggets? This is a really good question because my <laughs> husband, this is funny. He doesn't understand how there's that many chicken wings in the world. It's a fair so question. he talks about it all the time. Like there, it's impossible that this many people could be eating this many chicken wings. Where are they coming from? So he thinks they're made in a lab, but nice. I really, um, yeah, I, I really don't, I have not eaten a, eaten any chicken either like that so i don't know yeah it's very star mm -hmm. but you know what yeah i would say that did you say glorified nuggets yeah pretentious nuggets yeah, yeah. you know what i would go with that nice yeah, yeah that's 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 the right answer there is a wrong answer to that one that's, okay yeah that's good <laughs> all right number four and i think i could probably guess this one but dogs or cats dogs dogs that's what i'm talking about cats are okay yeah. i'm learning to tolerate I'm, I'm learning to like cats because yeah. we have a lot of clients with cats but we've always been dog people more there you go. Uh, number five, tea, sweet or unsweet? Sweet. That's what I'm talking about. You've been in the South a long time. That's good stuff. <laughs> um, and then number six, uh, what's your favorite quote? What comes to your mind when you're sitting around or when you're talking with someone? What are some things that pop into your head? Uh, my favorite quote of all time is, she thought she could, so she did. And I have that like on many things in my house because mm -hmm. when I wasn't sure of myself when I first had a divorce, I didn't know if I was going to be okay. I was just mm. a stay-at-home mom. I didn't have a career. And so um, I didn't know. And that phrase came to me and I posted it everywhere because I realized it's my mindset. And if I think I can do something, I can. And mm. I did. So That's awesome. I love that. I love that. A lot of our listeners need to hear that sort of thing, both from the she and the he perspective. Yeah because that's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Um, Melissa, I've had an absolute blast chatting with you today. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on the show. And uh, hopefully we can have you back on at some point in the future. We can, we can talk for a whole hour about how difficult it is to raise teenage girls. 
Oh, Joel, thank you so much. I loved coming on the show and I'm so happy for you with your podcast. You're, you're such a good person to be in the space. And so I'm so happy that you came into the space and that you're giving so much back to so many families. And thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, absolute blast. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in and be sure to come uh, back next week. Tune in for another episode of 10 CBF, a podcast for blended families. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of 10CBF, a podcast for blended families. If you feel this was helpful, please subscribe and then like and share the interview. If you'd like to contact me directly, feel free to reach out through the show's website on Anchor or via social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and I'd love to hear from you. Last, if you'd like a free copy of any of my blended family resources, be sure to check out my website at stepdadding.com. In the meantime, walk worthy and Godspeed to you and your blended family.